Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Swings and Mishes. Before I get into all the action with Craig, stick with me for just a minute here as I tell you about our new sponsor, Ticket Rev. I think you're really going to like them. Ticket Rev is the first ever reverse marketplace for event tickets. So what that means is this. Buyers go on to TicketRev.com and create bids on events by simply choosing their preferred seating location and naming their offer price. Sellers are then able to see those bids and accept a bid matching the ticket's location and sell instantly. No more having to list on StubHub, Facebook, or wherever else for tickets to games or concerts. So there's advantages for both parties here. If you're the seller, you get not only a better commission than the rest of those sites, but you can sell your tickets instantly. You never have to list them on sale again. And if you're the buyer, you now have increased flexibility. You can choose your seat and you can name your price. It's better ticket deals and buyers finally can help determine their own pricing. Plus, we have a deal for you right now, a promo code on TicketRev.com. And that promo code, as always, is SWINGS. So all you need to do is go to TicketRev.com. That's TicketRev.com. And use the promo code SWINGS for $20 off your first bid. That's 20 bucks off your next tickets to a Marlins game. Guys, that pays for parking itself. Just go to TicketRev.com and use our promo code SWINGS. And we'll see you out there at Lone Depot Park. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by the man who breaks the news about the Marlins himself. We're one week away from the MLB trade deadline. Your time to shine, Mr. Craig Mish. How are you doing on this Friday morning? I'm doing great, Jeremy. It's good to be with you here as we get ready for the weekend. And yeah, I've described this to, to a lot of people that the winter meetings are, are really to me the most fun because there's so much happening and there, and there are so many trades and signings and things like that. I really enjoy the winter, although my phone is usually with me. My, my time on the screen goes up a lot more in the winter than it does now. But this is like, I, I describe it as the Super Bowl. The winter meetings is, uh, is kind of the Super Bowl for me. And then the trade deadlines like March Madness. So it's like kind of close, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I am very excited to talk about what I think the Marlins are going to be doing here in the next week. And I think that a lot of people are going to be excited as well. So as I'm starting to kind of gather information here, I do think we're in for, for a fun week next week. Hey, I, I like to hear that. And the look on your face for the folks, for the folks who can't see, nobody can see everybody. The look on Craig's face is really genuinely a smile right now. So I'm excited to dive into it. There's a fake one. <laughs> where, where we'll get started is specifically with the guy who we've been discussing on essentially every podcast since the beginning of this season. It's Starling Marte. Obviously, Craig, you reported that the contract extension talks broke down with Marte. We all expect him to sort of be out the door from Miami a week from today. So what's the deal with Starling Marte at the moment? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, I think Miami is, is a little disappointed here. I, I think that they really felt after he said that he wanted to stay, that they, they thought they were going to lock him up. They, they seem to have put together that contract offer that I reported in the Herald where they've offered him three years. I think it was like 37 or 38 million, close to 40 is what I reported. I think it's around that range. I think they probably would go to 40 if, if they thought, that that would get it done. 
but they really just don't they they don't have uh, interest in giving him a fourth year i mean that's mm. just really what it comes down to at this point uh, look in in these contracts jeremy when you do deals like that the fourth year is is going to be irrelevant Marte is not going to be the same player that he is now you understand that you're paying for the first two or three years of the deal. That's, that's the way that it works. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I believe in the off season that Marte is going to get the money that he is looking for, which will be a, a potentially four year deal, you know, somewhere around $60 million or 55 million. I, I do think he's going to get that. And, and the reason why is is not because of metrics and not because of data and not because of what his war would be and how he declines in the fourth year. I, I mean, it's just, it, it's honestly a silly conversation to have because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter when another team is trying to win and they have the open pocketbook to win. They give out silly contracts to players. It happens. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which team is going to do that this off season, but it's going to happen. Texas, Seattle, Kansas city, find a team that's decided that they're going to win. And the owner goes to the general manager and says, here's your budget. And it's way over what anybody would have anticipated. Yep. Very, very similar to the Toronto blue Jays over the last couple of years, they decided that they wanted to win. The Padres have decided they wanted to win. And, and, and you can't fight that when it happens. It's just, it's just the reality of baseball. And that's why timing of free agency is sometimes more important than the talent of free yep. agency. So I do believe Marte is going to be fine. Uh, Miami has moved on. Uh, any notion that they're going to be keeping him right now, as far as what I can tell, is, is false. So I do think he'll be traded either next Friday or before then. I do think, and you know, this is kind of a hard conversation to have, but Jeremy, I, I got to think they got to be careful now over the next week here. About and, and boy, am I suggesting that they shouldn't play him? Look, I, I don't know the answer to that, but we are seeing players go down. I'll make the suggestion. Don't play him. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not like, worth it. it I, is at really, least that's where I'm at. I mean, yeah, it is. Look, I, I, look, you, you got a weekend series here and you got to send the right message to the fans. Sure. You're playing the Padres. You got Tatis here and Machado and some all-stars and, and Marte is of caliber of, of an all-star player. Right. But you get into those two games next week, Jeremy, and not Baltimore. Not with the Orioles, man. Yeah, I'm DHing him or or not. I know that's a really hard conversation to have, but I'm not playing him. I, I really – there's a lot of risk involved here, and I believe that they're going to trade him. So they're probably – that's usually not what happens, and usually the guys play, and, and hopefully in a season that has seen more injuries that I can ever remember that he doesn't get hurt. Uh, look, the the only team that I've linked them to thus far, and I've reported this is San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You're starting to see some other reports come out about potential players who may be available. The San Francisco Chronicle reported, I believe the other day that their catcher, Joey Bart is, is, is a player is a possibility. I reported that a nice match is Helio Ramos, but Miami would have to give up more Mm -hmm. than Marte to get him. There's no question about that. So I, you know, at this point I could lie and say, I have all these teams that are interested that are going to trade him, or I could just tell you what I know, which is, I believe that next week that Miami is going to make a huge move. Mm. I, I believe from what I'm hearing and what I'm understanding is that a big move is coming. So, and I don't know that if this is with Marte, I don't know if that this is separate to Marte, but I, I think that they are trying to upgrade that center field position for next year. I believe that they are trying and they have recognized that they need a new catcher for next year and whatever it is required to fill those two positions next week, 
or even in the winter has got to be done. They, I, mm-hmm. I believe they recognize that at this point. So that makes me get excited to know that something could come down the pipeline. Now I know naturally everyone is going to say, well, who do they want? What are they getting? And I don't know. <laughs> I, right. I don't know right now, but I can tell you that if that like players, I would not rule out Byron Buxton on Minnesota. I think that that's a South Florida, you know, Southwest Florida guy. I don't know what an extension would look like. He's also hurt, but you're talking again, primary center fielder, Cedric Mullins on the Baltimore Orioles is a player that's arbitration eligible. Miami's made a lot of trades with Baltimore in the past as well. And that is just scratching the surface as far as what they're looking at. I think that that is coming. I think that they are trying to do something like that. Those two names that I just gave you is complete speculation because I don't know the names Mm. at this point. Uh, I can also tell you that those pitchers that they have in Max Meyer and Jake Eater and and Zach McCambly and who did I forget? Kyle Nicholas. Nicholas, And also let me throw an extra one in here and Dax Fulton. I think they're trading one of them maybe next week. I do. I I think that that is part of, of this equation in order to upgrade the offense, whether it's at catcher or it's in center field. So very similar to the last two years where they got Jazz Chisholm one year and then they got Starling Marte another year. I do feel like another deal like that is coming down, maybe bigger than any of the other players that they're trading right now in terms of their relief pitching and Starling Marte. So Jeremy, I would, I would say that for everyone who listens to the podcast and, and puts these fake trades together and things like that, Uh, Look, you guys can get ahead of this better than me at this point. You guys can put those trades together and start figuring out what's coming down because I believe Miami is really active and trying to get better for 2022. All right, let's move that trade machine together and get things started. If only the the NBA trade machine uh, from ESPN could transfer over to that MLB trade machine and we could just be, you know, throwing all these salaries together. But but that's exciting and to hear that the Marlins are – trying to to similarly to what you mentioned, like that Jazz trade, like that Marte trade. And for that matter, the same year as Jazz, it was the Jesus Sanchez trade. Same sort of ideology of we had this surplus of pitching. Let's go get ourselves some bats for the system. And now, as you mentioned, sounds like possibly some more genuinely major league ready, major league producing good. Those are two great players that play center field. Byron Buxton when he's healthy and Cedric Mullins, who was an all-star this season. So when that's the idea, not that's necessarily idea. those two players, yeah. but if that's the idea, you can feel good about where the Marlins are going. And so you mentioned the relief pitching specifically. You know, we started with Marte and, and where he could go and, you know, his contract extension, three for 40, all that. But there's a whole bunch of other players on the Marlins roster that that would be beneficial to other teams at the trade deadline, particularly within their bullpen that's been good this season. So what are you hearing about the rest of the roster as we're a week away? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I don't. I mean, the bullpen's been okay, but I, I don't know that. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not going to go that far. They've really, you know, to me, they've they've had their moments. I would say is is that's a fair description. Probably that's a more the, fair description. The characterization I would have, but you know, Richard Blyer is probably going to get traded next week. That would be a name that makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. And by the way, he has been. If you're looking He's for consistency, great. I would say outside of the one craziness the other day. I would say he's probably been the one guy that every time he comes in the game, you know, he's getting outs mm-hmm. and you know, he's throwing strikes. I think that he is coveted and he will be dealt, um, you know, Ross Detweiler, they'll try to rebuild some value back here. I, I would think that we're going to see him a lot this weekend and next week too, because his last couple of appearances have not been that good. Another left-handed pitcher that, that certainly teams will use. 
and, and then you have Dylan Floro, Yimmy Garcia, but but Jeremy, at this point, it is me simply speculating at this sure. point. Uh, you know, most teams outside of the Nelson Cruz trade the other day, you can see that they're going to play this thing right down to the deadline. But I do expect them to move a couple of relievers at the very least, who I do not expect them to move at this point. And I can confidently say is I do not believe Miguel Rojas is going to be traded. And I do not believe Jesus Aguilar is going really? to be traded. And I don't see any scenario right now where those two are moved. We can debate that. We could talk about if that's right or wrong. But in terms of the teams that have contacted them and have asked about those two players in particular, I wouldn't say that they're off the table, but it does feel like they would need to be extremely overwhelmed to move either of those two players. Oh. So I do expect, as of right now, Rojas and Aguilar to be in a Marlins uniform next year. With that being the case, when you talk about the other position players, we talk, you know, you and I have talked about, we talked about it last week, actually, Lewin Diaz needing to come up and get his at-bats at first base. So obviously the, the odd man out theoretically, if that was the case would be Garrett Cooper, who's injured right now. Is Cooper a guy that teams have called about at this point, or is that still a little early on in the process? Yeah. Cooper's injury is very tricky. And, and right now uh, it's a little unclear as to the length of time that, that Cooper is going to be out. So it makes it very problematic for a team to trade for him right now, right. knowing that they may get nothing from him the rest of the season, which from what I understand is possible. I don't know mm-hmm. that for sure. Still kind of waiting to see how that plays out. But at the very most, you would only be getting maybe September from him. Right. So I would think that Cooper is probably going to get moved, Jeremy. But I think that it's the kind of thing where in in December or January, they, they look at his medicals, you know, he's where he works out and and then they move him, uh, you know, to an American. I mean, maybe the, the yeah. DH is in the NL and it's a moot point, but I, I do think Cooper is a is a good candidate to be moved. I think you know when he's on the field, he's their most impactful hitter, not named Duvall at the very least. But they 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 are not going to be able to bring back Aguilar to designated hit and then have Lewin Diaz at first base and have right. Cooper there too. So that doesn't make sense. So it does appear once again that Cooper is the odd man out, like he was going mm. into this year. But his injury is 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 a little bit more problematic than say Dickerson, who they definitely expect to have back. I can't say what the what the situation is with Cooper at this point in his injury I don't know all right well and we'll get to to the rest of the injuries within the Marlins in a second I I wanted to touch on as we move on from the trade deadline a tweet that you sent out last night that was a report that certainly caught my eye and I'm just going to read directly you said per sources Marlins outfielder Monte Harrison was involved in a clubhouse incident in Washington which he instigated a confrontation with teammate Starling Marte my understanding is the club has handled the situation internally so Craig would you like to share some details here about what's going on with Monte Harrison? Yeah, I pretty much put out everything that I know. The Marlins are are going to keep this inside their clubhouse from a media, relation, uh, media relations and front office standpoint. They're not going to tell me anything more than than what I reported. So that's basically it. Uh, you know, all I kind of know at this point is that Monte. Uh, you know, had, had a, a disagreement or, you know, a verbal confrontation with Starling Marte. Uh, I do believe at some point uh, it got close to being physical. I don't know if it was physical or not. I know that these things do happen inside a clubhouse, probably with most teams in the league at some point. There are arguments, but I would say it is a little strange 
that you have a player uh, like Monte Harrison, who is you know a young player who still has a lot to prove at the big league level for sure, uh, and, and and a player like Starling Marte, who has basically proven everything at the big league level right. for sure. So very very strange. I, I don't know exactly the dynamic of it. It was made clear to me by people that I trust that Harrison was the instigator in this, getting to the point that it was. Most people that I have spoken to have backed uh, Starling Marte here as well. But beyond that, that's all I can say. I don't know what happened beyond that. If I had to guess and speculate, because that's what we do a lot of, my guess is somebody in the organization had a conversation with Monte Harrison explaining you know, what, what, what happened here. And, and I, and I don't believe that there's any discipline from what I understand. He's just back in triple a. And, and I think that that's probably the end of the story, but look, sometimes it's my job to, to look, I I mean, how would you characterize this story? I I don't really know. Like the dirt, I guess, like somebody would say that, but. I guess it's the type of thing where also, you know, I think about if if me and my coworkers were struggling the way the Marlins have been struggling over the last couple of weeks, and I knew that my best coworkers were probably headed out the door, you know, within the next couple of weeks, there there can be some tension that builds in a locker room as you know you head toward that trade deadline and you're losing and all of that. And clearly, this is something that that is not going to benefit Monte Harrison in the long run here as he stays with the, with the Miami Marlins. That's not the type of thing you want to be doing, but I guess he may not have to deal with Starling. Yeah. I, you know, on, on top, on top of it, you know, something that was intimated to me too is, is, is look, we really have not gotten a fair shake with Monte Harrison playing every day and seeing what he could do. I mean, that's not just the truth. And I'm sure that Monte is frustrated with that as well. And yep. And look, he wants to get an opportunity and he wants to get to play and he wants to get three weeks of at bats playing every day at the big league level and hitting. I mean, I'm sure he does. And and, yeah. and maybe some of that is is boiled over in that frustration. And and I think that he sent out something on social media that said no more Mr. Nice Guy at one point. I think he shut down all of his, his accounts. I, I don't I don't see any of them anymore. So so look, maybe the best thing for him would be to get him into another organization where he can go to get a fresh start go to spring training with someone else, uh, you know, you know, within a, a maybe a, a different hitting coach or organization works with him and, and they're able to, you know, get him going in the right direction. But, uh, you know, Monte's always been a great interview and, and oh, I've yeah. always appreciated his candidness when, when he's been either in person or on the zooms, but look, there's just, there's no doubt that at least from, from my understanding is that he shouldn't have done what he did. I mean, that's, and, and so that's just the bottom line with that. So hopefully he can learn from this and I I hope to see him again at at the big league level, but I I just don't know if there's a future for him here at this point. I'm not clear on that. And when you talk about Monte Harrison, you know, he could end up playing some here if Starling Marte is sent away at the trade deadline. So it'll be interesting to see the future with Monte with the Marlins or with any other team going forward in his career. But when we look at the Marlins right now, it's not just about the trade deadline and who's not on the roster, but it's also about guys that are hurt right now. There's so many injuries with the Marlins. There's Jazz, there's Cooper, Sanchez is on the IL, Pablo Lopez. What's going on with the Marlins, all their injury updates, including Brian Anderson? Well, Anderson is probably the best news is that he'll, he's expected to be back uh, next week, I guess, in Baltimore. I, I think he's eligible to return on the 27th, so we'll see him uh, almost right away. Unfortunately, they lost John Birdie on Thursday night and he'll go on the uh, concussion list. I believe it's called. 
So, uh, you know, they really need Brian Anderson back to play and, and we'll get a good look at him over the last couple of months of the season. So I would target next week in Baltimore for him to come back, if not the very next homestand. In terms of Jazz Chisholm Jr., he was on the field. He, look, he is going to be certainly very optimistic always about playing. And I, and I can't say for sure that he's going to be back next weekend when they play the Yankees. But I, I would guess that that's a pretty fair target date at this point. Maybe he, he does a quick rehab assignment either this weekend or early next week. So I would target that Yankee series, which would put him out almost for two weeks, which does make sense. Mm-hmm. In terms of Garrett Cooper, Cooper has a elbow sprain that there seems to be some, some needing of second opinions and things like that to, sure. to see just how serious this is. But in terms of a timetable, I don't have one. So I would say out indefinitely. I would not expect to see him for uh, a month at least. So mm-hmm. I, would, I would rule out most of August in, in all likelihood, if not all. And then we'll have to see if he could come back in September. Uh, Pablo Lopez in a it, yeah Pablo Lopez in a similar situation where this is a, a familiar injury to most because he's had this in the past and I believe he's still on a no throw at this point mm. so you'd be looking at September also for Pablo Lopez if not late August and uh, Jesus Sanchez is, as was placed with on the injured list with no designation right and anybody could read into that understanding what's going on I would not expect to see him for another couple of weeks either. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at the end of July into August with most, most of the players that I mentioned out. And I guess the fortunate thing for them is that they don't play next Monday or Thursday. So they don't re- really miss all that much, but Brian Anderson will be back. And I think that that's a player that we'd all like to see play here. At Absolutely. The end of yeah. It'll be, it'll be good to get Brian Anderson back in the lineup just for a whole bunch of different reasons, but it'll just be good to see him playing again in a Marlins uniform taking up third base and helping the Marlins with their depth in that lineup, because right now that is very necessary. And so before we wrap this up, Craig, earlier this week, you tweeted about uh, the Marlins draft picks, Joe Mack and Khalil Watson. Those were the two first round picks. You threw up the percentage meters, said 100% chance they're signing Mack. 65% was the percentage. And, and I think it was Ethan Badowski who, who tweeted it out, who said it's incredible how Mish can just throw a tweet out there and it sends Marlon's Twitter into a frenzy. So, Craig, if you'd like to provide some details on the thought process behind what's happening with Khalil Watson and Joe Mack, the Marlon's draft picks. Well, uh, Joe Mack and, and Cody Morissette are as close to being done as possible. Mm. So... I would expect that at the end of the day on Friday, those two will be signing contracts and and will be Miami Marlins. So I don't have the figures on that, but that's my expectation is that those guys are done, but not completely done. So I I guess in the football terms would be at the one yard line or the half yard line or whatever. I would say the half yard line, honestly, and it's first down. So, so, so I, so I think that those two are done. Now, in terms of Khalil Watson, the the signability was definitely in play going into the draft. There were other teams that did not take him because of those concerns that would have taken him if there were not those concerns. But he was the best player on the board. Miami willing to go over slot to get him. I think that that And by the way, taking a chance on having the very best draft in all of Major League Baseball in 2021, I think that's a a dice roll that you have to take. So using the gambling turn, 
uh, you know, term now, they are basically asking Khalil Watson to turn over the, the, the cards in the poker game. Like, this is it. Like, are you really going to not take your overslot deal that the Marlins are asking for? I'm sorry that you are being offered, or are you right. going to really push this asking for money that the Marlins do not have because it is a bonus pool that is a set amount. This is not free agency. And that's what it's going to come down to. Is he going to get signed Saturday or Sunday? I don't think so. I think that they're going to play this right till the end. Hmm. And then Khalil Watson has a choice to make again. Do I, do I, because they are offering over slot. And, and, and my understanding, my understanding is, is that what, what he's, what he's asking for is, is not realistic in terms hmm. of getting done. So I look, they maybe, maybe they feel it is realistic, but my understanding is from people that I've talked to both inside and outside the organization, a high school kid being offered an above slot contract, you got to take it or take or roll the, or you roll the, or bet on yourself or go back to college. That's, and that still is, there still is a chance that that would happen. So that's why I had 65%. I fought back and forth with 70 and 65. My feeling is in the end it gets done, Mm -hmm. but if it doesn't, Miami is going to be sitting there with a top seven or eight draft pick next year again, based on the way things are trending record wise. And they're also going to have the 17th pick overall in the draft in 2022. So it's not the scenario that you want. You want Khalil Watson to sign. You want him to accept. You want these feelings to be smoothed over because when you're in these sort of negotiations, there are not good feelings going on right now. Of course, that's just, that's goes without saying But do I expect on the first Watson to sign? Yes, I do. Do I think that there is a chance that he does not and they send him back to uh, college or whatever? Yes, I think that 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 chance does exist. But I think that this was a pretty fairly calculated risk on Miami's part. And in the end, I do think that the player will sign and become a Marlin next week. Well, that would be good news. And obviously, it's good to hear about the other guys being on that proverbial half-yard line. As we wrap up this episode, we're a week away from the trade deadline. There's been lots of news here from you, Craig. Are there any sort of last news and notes you want to just make sure we touch on before we do wrap up this episode? No, I I think the on-field product on the Major League side this year, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be a struggle the last two months for sure. They're going to lose more games than they win. Their, their talent is is not what other teams are going to have and other teams are going to get better and Miami is only going to get better for next year, most mm-hmm. likely. So I think that that definitely should be understood. If they can avoid 190 losses, yeah, that would be nice. But at this point, I don't know. I don't know that that's going to happen. But I am definitely feeling like they have recognized the issues some of them they still do not, and they are still rolling out these same guys over and over again, and I don't get it. Uh, that That's maybe a story for another day, but we'll sure. keep it on the positive side here. They know now that uh, they need a new catcher. They know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, this cannot continue this way. Having the, the, the poorest statistically catching tandem in baseball, almost negative one war for both mm-hmm. players. It is stunning. How, how poor that has been that has got to change next year. Yep. So I believe it, it will. I believe that it will. I think, and it should have changed last year, but I guess they took another year at this and it didn't work. So they understand that, that that's got to change. And they also understand that there is nothing left to replace Starling Marte with in 2022. And that has got to be done now. Mm. So I do think that those two factors are playing in. Hopefully they're able to address both those issues next week. 
But if they are not, I, I do. I feel confident that they're going to acquire players that are significant upgrades at those two positions, catcher and center field. Well, that's certainly a different headspace than we've been in up until this moment. So that is some good news if you are a Marlins fan. Obviously, Marlins fans, we will have you updated on every aspect of the trade deadline as we approach it in a week. The most important thing you can do right now is go to Twitter, follow Craig. No, 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 no. Don't don't turn the notifications on. Turn the notifications on. I have the notifications. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. But what I can't even say anything for the next news breaker involve a trade. You're the news breaker. I know, but that's not fun. Chosen for yourself. (laughs) I I was taking my my son to camp. Yeah. And in this uh, Friday morning, he's he's nine years old. And I was expl- he was like, what are people, what do they, they mean by that when they're notifications? And I was explaining to him how miserable it's the that, that I am for the next week because I'm not somebody that likes to go on and tweet anyway. Right. But now, before I hit that, that tweet button on anything, I know that there are so many people that have them on yep. that it's like, I, I just can't say anything or else like everyone is going to get excited. So... It's why I'm glad nobody has my notifications on because I'll send tweets, realize there's typos, oh, send them again. Oh, I'm yeah, just, you're a serial tweeter. I'm serial. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you if are. Anybody you put are. their notifications yeah. on for me, that would be death sentence to their phone. Yeah, ma- marriage, kids, several jobs. Well, you're you're at the several jobs point now, so you're getting yeah, there. Several but jobs is happening. Yeah, that you're you're. And by, congratulations on the other. Oh, the other thank you. Gig that yeah. you're getting mm-hmm. here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I would I would look, I understand people are gonna want that on for sure. I can't promise that I'll break a story, let alone all of them, but I will do my best. It's it's what I enjoy doing for sure. But there the, the pressure is not really on that in terms of next week. It's the pressure of I know that everybody right now is like hanging on to the yep. edge of their feet. So there's excitement with that, but there's also like, ugh, like I'm not, you basically are not going to see a lot of tweeting from me in the next well, seven. You've definitely given them something. I'm sure Fish Stripes will write a, uh, a quote on their Twitter of what you've just said here about Buxton and Mullins and all these other guys and the percentages. So I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to the next week. I know you guys are. We'll be back here on Swings and Mishes next week uh, to keep you guys updated on everything that's gone on with this trade deadline. So again, Go to Twitter, follow Craig Mish. You can follow me at Jeremy Taché, where I will be making sarcastic remarks about the news that Craig actually breaks. And you can follow us at Swings and Mishes on Twitter as well. Marlins fans, enjoy this weekend against the Padres, and we'll see you next week with the MLB trade deadline.